0: See, our church is all about carrying burdens of others. <laughs> Open your Bible. No, uh, It is cool. See, and our youth serve our children. Uh, and, and we see that often in our church, loving, watching one generation come in the next generation. That's what it's all about in our church. If you're new with us, my name is Chris Pate, and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, just want to give a shout out to Pastor G. He did a great job with the tough scripture last week as we've been diving... Through Genesis, he did a great job. I also want to give a shout out, um, if, he, if you're not familiar, at our church, we, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and through the summer, we've been going line upon line, and and preaching topics we might not normally say, hey, let's let's hit this, but that's the beautiful thing about right? going through the scripture, a lot of times, is it forces you to talk about things and see beautiful things in God that maybe you've never seen before, or never seen from that perspective And so we've been going through that and going through Genesis and we have amazing, amazing teachers in our church that do this thing we call clcstarter.com. We called it that because it's a way to kind of start your day. We don't want church to end on Sunday and the message just to move on. We work hard on these messages, and so for you to be like, oh, that was good. What about next week? Like, We want to continue to feed you and help you think through what God is saying to our church, what God is saying to you personally. And so we have this devotional online called clcstarter.com, and we have great writers, including Including our editor, uh, Stefan, we have Aisha, Scott Fiddler, Nate Warren, Megan, and Paul Lane. They every week have been going through Genesis with us and helping write, giving devotionals so that we can continue to explore this book together. Can we give them a hand and say thank you so much? Yeah, so great. They are—they are not staff. This is their volunteer. They volunteer their time to study and then give us some great devotionals. And if you're not a part of that, we'd love to get you connected. You can sign up. I get it dropped into my email every day, so I can check their theology. No, I'm kidding. So I can be encouraged. They do, and they have done such an amazing job. They need the props, and we want to encourage you to continue to do that. They will take a little bit of break because we only have two Genesis left. Oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, There's 50 chapters in Genesis. So we are next summer going to pick back up where we left off, but we have two left. Next week is Campus Sunday and one of our elders, Eric, is going to be preaching. He has a campus ministry background to share all of his good and bad and ugly and things, as well as talk about uh, Abraham and Isaac. Today, I get the awesome opportunity to continue talking about Abraham And I wanna talk today about faith and fear. They're typically not opposites. They oftentimes work together, but they can work against each other very much so. I was thinking about the message last week, again, a tough message talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and what G did with it and God destroying the city. And yet in the midst of it, we see God willing to mediate on their behalf. Abraham said, if there were even 10 righteous, would you restore them and and not destroy them? He said, yes. And it just tells you where the place got to that God was forced to do what he needed to do. But there is an illusion that goes back to that teaching and it's in the book of Hebrews. And maybe you've never put these together, but when Lot's wife looked back, it said she turned into a pillar of salt she was destroyed. Hebrews 10 says this, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then here's the key. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve, preserve their souls. This The writer of Hebrews looking at Lot's wife who shrunk back in fear and looked and was destroyed. This is the imagery, almost like the Easter egg they are trying to give you. And with that as an overarching theme, I want to dive into Genesis 20 today because you see fears, And you see faith, you see shrinking back and potential destruction in our fears, but then you see ultimately more than anything, the faithfulness and redemption of God. Did you know, as we read the Bible, it's about God ultimately? We can lose the forest for the trees and focus on Abraham and Lot and this city and forget what God is constantly showing us throughout the whole narrative of the scripture is that he is good. He is constantly from the beginning out of disarray and disorder, bringing order. He then hands it to humanity and they mess it up and cause disorder. And he, like a master chess player, keeps going, okay, you're going to do that. I got to do this. You're going to do that. I got to do this. But he continues to show his goodness. That he He's slow to anger, that he's quick to love. And that's what I want to focus on the most today. Genesis chapter 20. I'm going to read all the way through it, and then we're going to come back and see what the Lord is showing us about himself and about ourselves. Verse 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur and he sojourned in Gerar and Abraham said of Sarah his wife she is my sister and Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him behold You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she's my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife for he is a prophet so that he will pray for you and you shall live but if you do not return her know that you shall surely die you and all who are yours so Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things and the men were very much afraid then Abimelech called because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Genesis chapter 20. We're going through this whole story today. And again, I want us to focus in on the fears, the faith, how we relate with Abraham in that, but ultimately what we see, God behind the scenes, as well as he shows us in the forefront of the scenes, his goodness, his faithfulness, his cleaning up the mess of our lives. Oftentimes when we, we look in these scriptures and we see Abraham, especially in the New Testament, it refers Of course, to him and throughout the Old Testament, a a patriarchal figure, a, a, a father of faith, the one we should look to in faith. And oftentimes we can read these scriptures and immediately like dismiss him because of the things that he did. And yet the whole point is not just a point to Abraham, but who is his faith in? It's in a God who is faithful. It's in a God who is constantly cleaning up our messes Even if we are the man of God, called of God, God is the one picking up because he's the one to get the glory, not the person. We don't focus in on Abraham and say, be like Abraham, because in some ways you should, in other ways, please do not. Especially if you're married, please do not sell your wife out for your own preservation, Now, we see Abraham, though, before this, as we said, we saw him talk to God, try to mediate for Sodom and Gomorrah, but God says there's not any good people, there's no God-fearing people within this community. And Abraham's going back and forth trying to say, is there anybody? And this really says about how Lot got how his wife got, how his family got. No one was good and the evil was destroying and taking over like the Bible talks about, a yeast overwhelming bread. Evil sin is often that depiction, that picture. And so he sees God looking at a city without the fear of God and being destroyed and he sees the promises of God. He, we've seen him have at 100 years old a new baby boy named Laughter, named Isaac, and seeing the miracles of God. God has always been faithful to him. Even when he's the one making blunders and creating an Ishmael and doing all of these things that we can so relate with this because how many of us walk in faith in certain areas of our life, but constantly shrink back either to our own destruction or to the destruction around us. And yet faithfully following a faithful God, one who was, is, and always will be, who is consistent in who he is, this is the depiction that the scripture is constantly trying to show us. We mess and botch things up. God cleans it up. And oftentimes there are consequences to that. But God in his goodness is constantly working out good to those who follow and trust him. Let's look at Genesis Chapter 20 again from the beginning and see what the Lord is showing us. From there it says, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. You remember we've talked about Abraham. He is a nomad, he is a tent dweller. They would often have multiple tents, and he had hundreds of people with him, but they didn't build cities and build things. They were called. Ultimately, they were going to get land because when God calls a people, he gives them a name, he gives them a law. He he gives them a common land. He gives them common uh, language. This is who God is as he calls the people. But this is the very introduction of his calling. And so it's going to take steps. This is why God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God thinks generationally while we think today. God is thinking multiple. He's thinking in the next generation. He's thinking you do your part, but it's not about you. It's going to be about the next people and the next people because I'm going to get glory and I'm building something and I'm okay to go slow, but mostly I have to go slow because of you guys. And we see this constantly in the Scripture. So you see this one, this this man sojourning. Oftentimes they would have crops and they would have fields and they would have all these people to take care of. And so they would have to go to a different area, different land in order to have different crops. And he finds himself meeting this man named Abimelech. Now, Abimelech is a title, kind of like Pharaoh is a title for a king of Egypt. Abimelech is either one of two things, a, an actual person, so we're gonna meet two Abimelechs today, or it is the title of like a chief or like a Pharaoh of the king of the Philistines. That's what this name is. So I, I believe it's more like that because the name Abimelech means father king. So he meets pretty much the king of this area, and he's immediately afraid. We see, it says, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, which isn't wrong. It's a stepsister technically, and you could talk about that. Well, that's wrong. They don't have law yet. The law has not been made to say this is wrong. This is, he's walking in his known light. And aren't you thankful God works with you in your known light, not in all of light? I am, thank God. God slowly reveals, oh gosh, I didn't realize I was doing that. Wow, God slowly reveals things to us in his goodness and kindness. And we see this, she's my sister, it's a half-truth and Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. What's, what's awesome, when you read the Bible, you need to see anytime you see man operating in flesh, in humanity, in our nature, that is bent towards sin and bent towards self, you will see this constantly. We see it first in Genesis. It says, Eve saw that the apple was good and she took it. In Genesis 6, the sons of God saw that the daughters of Eve were good and they took them. And this is the common thing that men and women in our human nature do. We see, we take, we see, we take. And yet, throughout scripture, it's constantly seeing God say, Behold, look, and he gives. He's working out the opposite way, and he wants to encourage us to do the same. It says this Abimelech saw and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, hold on right now. All of a sudden, you're going, dang, this God is hardcore. You're dead, bro. You're done. Many theologians believe because later what happens is that Abimelech, the time has passed. So this isn't like one day, but time has passed and there's been disease going throughout their, their, their land throughout the area, there has been some kind of pestilence or there has been something that has affected the land so much so they're trying to figure out what are we doing wrong and praying to this God and trying to figure out the the science or whatever we need to do in order to be healthy again, in order to not have disease. Our women have been barren. We're just not producing fruit. What has happened if you've ever had something bad happen to your life? You're you're going like, let's go to the doctor. Let's figure this out. Let's get a test. Let's do this. What what are we doing wrong because things just don't seem to be going right. And he gets this dream and God appears and says, dude, you're going to die. And then he says, why? You are a dead man because the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent man? people he's saying i haven't even sinned yet i didn't even know about this but his 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 adjustment who he is to take to take like what we do who who abraham is is to see the promises of god and yet still walk in fear which we'll talk about in a second and not trusting god with what's in front of him because of what god has done in the past you see destruction coming because of shirking back, because of fear, instead of continuing to walk in faith. It's this thing we talk about, we know in church, this word sin. Now it has multiple words, but the the famous reformer Martin Luther would say this about this word sin. He says this, our nature, by the corruption of the first sin, Adam and Eve, so deeply curved in on itself that it not only bends the best gifts but enjoys them as in playing as plain in the works righteousness and hypocrites or rather even uses god himself in order to attain these gifts but here's what it does it also fails to realize that it is so wickedly curvedly and viciously seeks all things, even God for its own sake. That's a really deep description of sin. He says sin is not just doing wrong, but the very condition of our heart that bends in on selfishness in ourselves. Okay. So we started school this week and we drive Jackson to middle school. Um, and then he does the gritty for all the kids and they laugh and then we drive cadence, this is his big thing right now I know it's old but he's a kid and we drive cadence to high school and I'm telling you, you don't see, you know this if you live in Houston you you see sin at its highest on the road, don't you? I mean, you talk about bent in on yourself. It's just me, me, me. The me monster overtakes you and like me, me, me. I'm not going to let you in, right? Like, I mean, it's just constant. You see that bent towards, no, me, me, me. You might have a job, but I've got a job. You might have to be somewhere, but I got to be somewhere. And you see it and it causes destruction. Some of you are still having conversations with someone that cut you off because you know what you would say to them. And you've got a great little rhetoric right now, but you'll never see them again. Like the bent in this, me, me, it's just what we default to apart from God. And we see this constantly with Abimelech as well as Abraham, but pay attention, verse five. Did he not himself say to me, he's still talking to God, he's giving his case, she's my sister. And she herself said, he's my brother, In the integrity of my heart, and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. In other words, I was ignorant. I didn't know. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart because God looks at the heart. And it was I, notice, who kept you from sinning against me. And I think about this so many times I want to justify myself or even I'm hurting because of things that I've actually done myself. And it's easy to blame God, and yet how many times has God actually prevented sin and destruction from coming my way? You know what you see in this? It's not just God upholding his covenant to Abraham that he said, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. He's bound to his word to bless him, but he is so gracious that he's gonna to talk to this ungodly king who worships other gods. He's so gracious, he's warning him because he sees his innocence that I'm about to kill you, but I'm trying to warn you if you repent, then I will not do what I've promised Abraham to curse those who curse him because you didn't know. Do you see the goodness and redemptive nature of God within this story? Don't miss it, or else you'll focus on the wrong things. I love it. He says, I revealed myself to you. You know, today, if I want to know this man right here, Jay Ross, who puts the Ross in generosity, great guy, one of our elders. Yeah, you're welcome, Barce. I'm not gonna do the gritty. Okay, uh, if I've never met Jay before, I get to know him and he looks at me with those prophetic eyes. That's what I call him. He's got prophetic eyes. And I don't know anything. I don't even know his name. I I won't know him unless he reveals something to me. He has to reveal himself or else I can't know him. I could talk to other people and maybe find out about him a little bit, but I can't know him unless he goes, this is me. This is my past. This is who I am. This is what I've been through. And this is the beauty of God. He's revealing himself to Abimelech, someone who's not even necessarily a part of his family. You see the goodness of God saying, listen, I would have, but I'm revealing myself that I'm good. And here's what he tells him to do. Yes, I know you have done this integrity of heart, verse six, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. He did it. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Wow. How many times do we give ourselves credit? I did the right thing. And God's like, bro, you the puppet. I'm just up your back. Because only God is good all the time. There it is. God is good. All right, verse seven. Some of you guys have been in church a long time. Verse seven. Now then, return the man's wife. So he's like, I'm revealing myself to you. I'm good. I'm giving you an opportunity even in this dream. And thankfully, Abimelech is humble enough. He can say, well, I'm king. I don't care. He's humble enough because he's been through some stuff. He's realizing something is going on and I don't understand what it is. He says, return the man's wife, so repent. This is what the word repent. Change the way you think and act. Usually your thinking then follows your actions. And he says this, for he is a prophet. Now we look at Abraham ride Brooklyn, and we're like, dude, this guy's crazy. He's selling on his wife. He's only concerned about himself and preservation, and his fear and shirking and looking back is potentially causing destruction for a lot of people. It's interesting. God still says he's a prophet. Aren't you thankful God sees you for what you will be, not just what you are? Because we're constantly walking around like I'll never be enough, and God's saying. I'm giving you my spirit. I'm giving you my community. I'm giving you everything because what I see in you is the potential to be like Christ. Not You'll never be Christ. He is Christ. He is God. You're not going to become a God. This is not a Mormon church. Listen. You have the potential, though, to walk in the ways of God and be like him. And I see you as a prophet. I see you as a pastor. I see you as a mentor. I see you as someone who loves and gives to his neighbor. I see this in you. And aren't you thankful that we have that kind of father where he knows what's in our heart, he says. And yet he still sees beyond it. And that's the goodness of God. Do you see how great he is? Wow. Look at him. Don't look at Abraham. Don't look at Abimelech. Look at God. Man, my hope is in you. I see you for who you are. And any good parent knows this. You see your kid wiling out or doing whatever and making a mess. You're cleaning up after them and doing everything. I remember one, the worst day of my life. Casey's out singing worship team in Abilene, Texas. And I've got this bed that we're in and has white sheets. And I'm laying extra because it's Saturday and I'm tired. And I've got Addison here and I've got Cadence here. And they're just kind of snuggling. It's great. Then they start fighting. And then Cadence kicks Addison in the teeth. He gets blood and a tooth all over our white sheet. And then I'm taking him and he's freaking out because he cried a lot back then. He's so much tougher now. And he's freaking out. He's going, and Cadence is just like, I don't know, I don't know. And I take him to the bathroom. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's, he's crying, he's mad. Cadence has to go potty. She's not potty trained. She pees all over the bathroom floor. Addison walks, slips, falls, pee, blood. I'm calling Casey, you gotta get home. I don't care how much you love Jesus. Chris, you're a pastor. I'm mad. You're a prophet. But see, I don't look at my kids and go, man, I'm done with you guys. Like, this is it. You're going to be a peace, stained blood person. Like, this is it. What's wrong with you? When you love like the Father, you see beyond the mess, as good preachers say, see the message. Beyond the test, see the testimony. That is God, isn't it? In the midst of what, Abraham's causing all sorts of problems, but because God, it says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You you don't realize how powerful that is. You don't get it. Think about somebody you know that you thought you really knew them and then something bad happened in their life and they wild out and you're like, I don't even know who you are. See, they aren't consistent in their character. They wanna be, but they're not the same here. And here, and here, God is. He's the same. And that doesn't mean he's boring and he's just old in his ways. It means his character is consistent. If you count on him here, you can count on him here, and you can count on him here. This is our God. And he says, he's a prophet. Imagine, Abimelech's like, whatever. Whatever. And he says this, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, if you don't repent, if you don't change what you're doing, stop taking, know that you shall surely die, you and all yours who are yours. Look this, I love this. Abimelech, what does he do? He repents. Abimelech rose early in the morning. God loves that kind of action. Like God speaks to you. Somebody, God's been speaking to you for five years. You're still like, yeah, he told me to do this, and you're still not doing it. I've been there. I've been there. And the same conversation. Yeah, God said, "Like, well, where are you? He rose early in the morning. I love this. And he called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. They had seen what's going on. There's no fruit. There's no children. Like all our women are not being able to get pregnant. We, we have some kind of disease and pestilence that he has to pray healing for. And look what he says. Verse 9. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, bro, you got to tell me the truth. What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you brought on me in my kingdom a great sin? His fear, Abraham's fear brought destruction to other people. You have done to me things that ought not to be done. I can't go there. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Notice Abraham's response. I did it because I thought, okay, first of all, a lot of times we get in trouble because we think too much. Right? Paralysis by analysis. There is no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Wait, wait. Didn't you just hear about a place that had no fear and God took care of it? What, What are you afraid of? Besides, she is indeed my sister. I am lying. The daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come say of me, he is my brother. This was 25 years ago. We see this in Genesis 12. This is the second time Abraham has done this. So you imagine Sarah's like, here we go again. Every time we sojourn, every time we go to another place, I got to pretend like I'm not your wife and potentially get enslaved to another country. It's not being a very good husband, but let me say something about Abraham. This woman, when he did this the first time in Genesis 12, was 75 years old, and he's like, you're so attractive, you're so beautiful. If they see you, 75 years old, they're gonna take you and kill me. She must have been something. (laughs) Now, here's the crazy thing. A baby later, out in the sun, aged 90, in her 90s. He's still doing this. Girl, like, you got it. (laughs) You you fly, this is not gonna go well with me. (laughs) This king's going to see you. And, and here's the deal. Maybe she's not. Some theologians believe that when she had the baby, God restored her youth even. Kind of cool. When she had Isaac. But here's the deal. Good thing about Abraham for a second. One, because we can knock him. Good thing about Abraham. He still, after all these years, was attracted and saw his wife as something to be treasured. Okay, let's, that's a good little spin. Okay. Okay. But how many of us can say that? If you're five years into your marriage, you're like, "Girl, you ain't the same." And you know what I tell 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 the husbands, especially Christian husbands, because you're supposed to be the head of household, the leader. Then whose fault is it? Okay, next. (laughs) She looks different to you. Maybe you're attracted to somebody else, but okay, done stepping on toes. Good thing about Abraham. Bad thing about Abraham. Get out of here, girl. I'm preserving my own life. I don't want to die. Because here's the deal. Oftentimes, here's a good takeaway. Abraham trusts God for the promise, but not for protection. here's the deal. It's easy to trust God for like that future thing. God gave me a promise, I'm gonna have a kid or God gave me a promise, I'm gonna have that job. And it's somewhat easy to do. It's hard to stay faithful a lot of times, so I don't wanna discredit that. But Abraham, like he got the promise and he got it, but he kept having to lie to protect himself and he was afraid because it's easier to believe for other people's blessing. All the nations are gonna be blessed because of you or other people's things than to trust God today for your own. How many times do we pray, lay hands on people? God's gonna give you that job. God's gonna bring that healing. And let me tell you, that kind of prayer is awesome and you need it, so don't discredit it. But it's hard sometimes to believe for ourselves. And we even see Abraham struggling to trust God in the midst of this. Look at verse 14. Then Abimelech What was his response? Took sheep and oxen, male servant, female servant. Gave him and says this, this is all your land. He just blessed him. And I love it, Abraham, or excuse me, Abimelech repented. And this is a beautiful thing we see, the repentance of Abimelech all the way down to verse 17, says this. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed not only Abimelech and also healed his wife, and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Crazy. The man of God that has seen God come through, the promises of God, even in his fear, potentially bringing destruction, but God is good, You cause sea, but God looks at the people and says, y'all don't fear God, so I don't trust you. And it's Abimelech who fears God and repents, while Abraham fears men and repeats. Keeps repeating the same mistake over and over. Proverbs says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a man return to his sin. And you see Abraham, the father of faith. But that gives me courage, I know, because, man, if if God could continue to move him, maybe it's not about. Just being like Abraham, maybe it's about loving God. I love this, that Abimelech repents and Abraham prays for him. And now you see reconciliation because that's who God is. He's a reconciler and he brings healing. Here's a good takeaway for you as we start to close. Truth is a key that unlocks the door for healing let me give you an example. In the New Testament, James five sixteen says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be saved. It's not what it says. We're not saved by just a prayer. We're saved by what Jesus did in trusting in him. But our healing comes through confession of sins to one another the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We have an example of that, me and my wife, we were in the ministry in Abilene, same time my kids are kicking teeth out and uh, we're doing worship and youth and, and serving God and she is struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome. We did these lab tests, which she just came home with her hair all crazy. And we just spent a lot of money to not sleep. And all if you do lab tests, please do it. It's awesome. But we did not have a good experience in Abilene, Texas. And we're trying to figure out what is wrong with you. Why are, why are you constantly hurting? And, and not like that, what's wrong with you? But you know what I mean? Like, what is happening? Why are you sick? And why are these things happening? And we're trying to explore all the things like we all do. And we realized, you know what? We haven't done, we, we've, we've done the science, we've done the, 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 the diet, we're doing all these things. The one thing we haven't done, and this is often the, the last thing we do, or if God's like convicting you, man, you, you're really busy, you got a lot going on, so you're like, okay, I'm going to stop serving in the church, right? You're like, I'm not volunteering there anymore. The first thing to go is usually God, uh, or the last thing to bring up in our life is usually God, and yet God convicted us And said, you haven't even brought the elders over to pray for you. So we asked them, will you come pray for my wife? They came to my house. And again, I'm on staff and not trusting this portion of scripture that James talks about. They come pray over her and God heals her. God does a work. She sleeps better. I mean, her body's feeling better. And we continue to do the right things because God is holistic physically, mentally, But spiritually, we didn't add that. James says, confess your sins. You know what our sin was? Was Wasn't that we were doing anything wrong or bad or some kind of addiction. It was pride. You know, we're we're on staff. We're, We're pastors. So we should be okay. And we had to go, you know what? We're being too prideful. We need help. We need prayer. We need people to come alongside us and believe. And God moved. Now let's fast forward several years in Genesis chapter 26, and I promise we're wrapping up here. You see Abraham's son, and I'm just going to say these words, like father, like son. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Hmm, Sounds interesting. Same place. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, you know, she's my sister. For he feared to say my wife thinking, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech king of Philistines looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing. This horrible translation, uh, better translation is flirting, even a little more risque language with Rebecca, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How can you say she is my sister? Fool me once. Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I die because of her, Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. Like, you know, like my dad or your dad. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put To death. Again, God is good, but what's the takeaway? Our children inherit our faith or our fears. Let's fast forward. We have Abraham doing his best, walking in his known light, trusting in God for the promise shirking and afraid for protection, but God keeps destruction from him because he's good, a good father. Abraham lends to his son, yes, faith, but also his fears. And he continues in that perpetual cycle like many of us today. What can we do? And honestly, the answer is we will just stay in this cycle. And this is the beauty of the redemption of God. You see, some 2,000 years after Isaac, there will come a man who claims to be God, who carries the authority of God. And instead of shirking and being afraid and not trusting God and destroying the rest of the world and watching it be destroyed, he goes forward, puts his face even on the cross to the destruction of self, not bent in on himself, but allowing the destruction to be bent in on himself in order to say, I will face this for you. My body will be destroyed, but what I'm gonna do is release healing to the world through my death and resurrection. We see a father that's much greater than Abraham. We see a son that is much greater than Isaac in Jesus. And the reason why we go to Holy Communion at the end of the message and we go to the table is because let me tell you, if we left today and just said, don't be like Abraham, don't be like Isaac, here's a few points to do it. You could get that in a mosque. You could get that in a synagogue. But see, Paul says, but we preach Christ. What about Christ? That in and of ourself, we're hopeless, but God. In and of ourselves we will repeat and not repent, but God. And Paul says it beautifully in Romans two. Or do you presume upon the riches of his kindness as we're seeing in scripture? And forbearance and patience. Look at this. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. We don't repent to get things from God. We don't come to church and read the Bible so we could sacrifice and God blesses us. We see the sacrifice of God. He chose destruction for us to give us healing. And now what can I do but love you? Put my hope in you. And I change the way I act and think, not as some moralistic duty, but out of a love of God for what he's done for me. This is the message of the scripture, even in Abraham, Abimelech, and Isaac. We serve a greater king. Will you pray with me? Father, our hope is in you. Our expectation is in you not in just what we do, Lord, you call us to trust. And when we mess up, you clean up our mess, God, because you're good. You prevent us from destruction. Even when we see destruction around us, you say, all you need to do is turn, look at me, face me, see my goodness, and let that love and devotion be the energy you need Be the gas, be the motivation you need to walk in my ways. Thank you, Jesus. We need you. We needed you then. We need you now. We will need you tomorrow. God, and we declare our hope and expectation is in you.